Sam uh, hit the record button and then immediately left the room. So I'm here solo. I am only Sam is now upside down. <laughs> um, okay, Sam's just doing whatever Sam is doing. I'm here. Hello, my name is Daniel. I am the head of marketing and community for Glass. Sam takes photos professionally, primarily weddings, an occasional family, sometimes portraits and headshots. Sam has now flipped to the other part of his <laughs> video, but is still upside down. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to invert. I don't think I can. Uh, for people listening and, and not being able to see this, um, I, I do really enjoy uh, the Insta... I think it's the Insta360 brand. They have these this 4K webcam that has literally the top of their, what used to be a standalone, I forgot what they called it. It was a handheld gimbal. Handheld something. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a handheld thing on a gimbal. Really high quality. You could get insanely cool video, but it makes a lot of sense to, to work as a webcam. But I guess you can't mount the entire camera upside down because it just doesn't understand that use case. So I'm going to mount it right side up in the approximately the same spot and hopefully fix this. I have, uh, well, I mean, my my original question would be, why would you try to mount it upside down when right side up is available to you? Um, you know, but I don't want to shame you. Uh, you know, do what you got to do. Okay, that's uh, better. Oh, yeah, that's so much better. <laughs> I, you can see if uh, this is a wonderful moment to hop in to the YouTube instead of listening because you can see 900 different cables behind Sam's desk right now. Yeah. Um, What's going on with this sucker? Reset. Reset. Yeah, okay, so the reason uh, I like this camera is because normally if I'm just using the, the video from the webcam built into my laptop, I have to, like, put my laptop on something so that's like eye level ish or yep. you know just and the table yeah. that i sit at up here is not conducive to that so this i can mount on like a light or something Upside i'm gonna just down. mount it to my shotgun mic that i normally record audio through one second one second yeah it's a great start everybody uh so i have had a one and a two cups of coffee and i'm going to have the what i like to call devil's cup uh, which is this third cup of coffee. So if you notice me being a little bit more, you know, bananas, uh, that's that's why. It's because I'm over-caffeinated. It's crazy that caffeine's a legal drug, if I'm being, if, if I'm being like, if I'm sharing my deepest, darkest. It's like one of the reasons secret. anything ever got done back in the day. Well, yeah, I mean, like, uh, as a capitalism drug, it makes sense, right? <laughs> sure, uh, yes. You know, okay, get this is more a done. Okay, well, Sam, I have a thing. I did a thing. I've done, What'd you do? I've done, I, I, after, I'm, I'm a little late doing this for myself, my personal uh, self, because uh, it's been, like, a year since I did it for glass, but uh, I deleted I deleted my Twitter account. You did? Wow. Did. It's gone. Wow. R.I.P. How many, as you have this breaking news directly spoken to my Sennheiser microphone, how yeah. did, uh, how long were you a part of Twitter? Uh, I used Twitter for s almost 16 years. That's intense. Yeah. Uh, this, were you uh, able to download like, any kind of like archive of everything or something? Uh, yeah, I, d I downloaded the archive. Uh, I will never look at it. I will never use it. It is, you know, the... Like getting... Our archives never made much sense to me because networks are the interaction and like the life between the people connected on the platform. And so like having a bunch of my solo dumb jokes that I can just read alone doesn't sure. really make anything because the thing that made Twitter fun was the dumb jokes in reply and then the conversations right. back and forth and I don't you don't get a download the conversation view right uh, like you only you get, get like a, a network tree of everything or something yeah you only cool. get your side uh, and like that's the least interesting side to me because uh, okay. the thing that's cool about networks is uh, the other parts of them I am not the best part of Twitter right like it was my friends yeah <sighs> Well, I'm sorry. It's gone. Okay, R.I.P. There it went. Now. I have, uh, you know, it, it was like a, it was a very easy thing to do, but it was it was just a bummer that I was just putting off 
because yeah. I didn't want to have a bummer. Well, it is a giant dumpster fire. That is yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really, you really terrible. The only thing it's good for, which I have a feeling someday Threads will uh, reach feature parody, is, um, you know, absolute breaking news when something is happening nope. right there in the doesn't moment. doesn't work oh, anymore. You don't think so? Oh, it doesn't? Oh, oh okay. it's long gone. It, yeah. Well, I feel like the... I was uh, following all the Middle Eastern stuff pretty pretty real time. I didn't know where else to go. Would you recommend another place? Uh, <laughs> You're like literally any other place. Yeah, but... the AP? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, realistically, the, the best place to follow um, the the Gaza uh, situation would have been a Instagram account that was just censored uh, that had like six million followers that was just reposting uh, local Palestinian POV yeah. and news. But like, there's no, uh, you know, like uh, a couple of days ago, there was that mass shooting in Maine. God, what a dumb. <laughs> Great! What a great country we've got. Um, it's it's <laughs> yeah. the guns. It's the guns. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I <laughs> but it was like it, it was just nothing but misinformation instead of verified reporters talking about stuff. It was just a, yeah. a, a mess uh, because like reach isn't real anymore on the platform, and like everything's skewed by if you pay a, a billionaire eight dollars. Um, yeah. It's, so uh, yeah, breaking news doesn't really work anymore there, and like the stuff, it's big for spreading misinformation now, and like I just couldn't, just couldn't do it anymore. Like it, you know, like the joy that I found there doesn't exist, hasn't existed for a while. Sure. Um, but like, I don't know, just reached a point where I was like, no, I don't, you know. Well, I, uh, I have a feeling you will experience. A little bit of withdrawal symptoms, and then have uh, a bit of a euphoric, you know, hockey stick curve back to some sense of normalcy in your life. I mean, it, after it sixteen hasn't years, been making me in, in normal, right? Like, it well, was just a... sure. I mean, normal in terms of like uh, happiness levels, and well, and you know, approaching what could maybe you know after sixteen years, though that's that's going to take. Some... I was no, I like I was very happy with uh, Twitter for a really long time, right? Like, Fair I it was a yeah. huge cornerstone to my internet life. Um, you know, like every every job I've had since two thousand nine, probably. Wow, uh, came from Twitter, uh, like. Every every professional opportunity uh, was like started from a dumb relationship or a dumb tweet or you know not a dumb relationship <laughs> but like I got you. A, a relationship that started from a dumb tweet. Uh, you know, I met my I met my best friend on uh, Twitter, Adam. He was introduced to me via Twitter. Like, I sent a dumb tweet in. Uh, it would have been December of two thousand and nine. Okay. Or 2008. I don't know. Someone right around there about how I really liked whiskey and fires, right? Because I'm a generic white boy. I'm even wearing. Uh, <laughs> Do you a, like whiskey that tastes like fire? Because that's also a thing. Yeah, I've got, I've got a, I've got a flannel on today. What's that brand called? Like High, West. High West. High uh, West. What are you talking about? Oh, you mean Fireball? No, no. There's <laughs> a God. No, we're not. 19 uh i think it's called high west high west uh whiskey yeah it's got like the campfire yeah high west distillery you've definitely seen here i'll show you the uh the labeling the packaging yeah, yeah i mean I, i'm i've probably had it I, i've had a fair share of whiskeys oh in my time why does the internet suck so bad i have to tap for oh my god it's distorted here we go Oh yeah, I've had that. I've had yeah. that. It's great. It's fine. <laughs> cool. It's fine. Good. Uh, yeah, you know, like I so I sent a tweet about how I loved whiskey and uh, fire because I was like on a beach drinking whiskey at a bonfire. It was cold. It was breezy. Everything was wonderful. I mean, everything wasn't wonderful. I was in like a very miserable dark spot. I had literally just been broken up with like the day oh, before no. I sent that, which is why I was drinking whiskey, staring at a fire. Um, True. And then a friend, uh, a mutual friend of ours was like, oh, my God, you like whiskey and fire? You'll love Adam. And they were right. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't talk nice. to the, you know, I more or less stopped talking to that friend immediately after they introduced me to Adam because I was like, well, thanks, Brian. Great job. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to talk to Adam forever now. Uh, you know, and like that relationship was built entirely on Twitter, right? Like it. We spent some a couple of months making dumb jokes, and then I met him at well, South by Southwest because he lived in Austin. Yeah, 
continued, right? You know, so like just it's not one of those that, internet. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. One of those internet okay. things. So right? it, it was a positive life force. Yeah, the um, thing I'm curious about is if when you deactivate, are they like, okay, that's fine, but after 30 days, everything's deleted, or can you reactivate at any time and light up that? Oh that no, they're doing the. It, it's the 30 day thing. So they're like, okay, it's deactivated. You used to be able to delete it. Now let's just deactivate, and then we'll delete. Well, the thing uh, I'm curious about is if you know, a decade from now, there's some massive necessary change in legislation that requires some ability to standardize the, uh, you know, the network that you build in social media platforms and be able to have that social graph transferred to from one platform to the next. Not saying that there's any hope of that right now, yeah, but you never know in like a decade. It Interoperability would be, is it would probably be a shame. never coming. Uh, I would love for it to, you know, and like, that's one of the reasons that activity pub slash Mastodon is, uh, great. You know, um, I mean, what we're talking about with something like that is literally, they just kind of almost, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but social, especially meta, but all social media networks kind of abstracted away the contact list on your phone. In fact, they, they literally took that information. I mean, you had to give permission but it's well, like, hey, can you give access to, to contact? Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, they did just and then they take all it. got sued. So, but but uh, all that is in in at the end of the day is your contact list on your phone. I mean, it doesn't go the other direction. But if you go back to before social media ever existed, the most valuable asset to them in building their platform was your contact list. They took that with no repercussions, no explanation, and no. Uh, anything else they just took it and that is how they were able to build those network effects so quickly on the backs of everybody else having done at some point in time the manual labor of oh what's your phone number and then having a contact list Uh, because it hasn't gone in the other direction now people obviously i don't have a hundred plus thousand people on my contact list uh you know all the people that maybe follow me on instagram but that that should have a reckoning at some point where there is a standardized social graph that anybody can take with them, maybe even import as a contact list in their their phone or something like this. And um, th- you know, this is pie in the sky. But that again, I would hate for you to have sixteen years of relationships built on something that are just literally erased from history. But it is not that it is. you need all those relationships, but you never know the like anecdotal yeah. random follower that sees a algorithmically surfaced tweet that has something to do with something they like and you've never actually talked but you follow each other and boom now you have a new job working in puerto rico for bitcoin or no wow (laughs) wow things have rapidly changed in my life in this future because bitcoin is a company in a decade yeah bitcoin is a literal llc in a decade i love destroying (laughs) the internet for uh yeah you know sure why not uh, yeah. this, this hypothetical future, since we're dreaming pie in the sky, I am now uh, <laughs> a crypto evangelist. Speaking of crypto, the, can That's I just nice. say, can I just say, <laughs> you know, the, the, the future of it is bleak and people that think otherwise are you know, somewhat delusional at this point, in my opinion. However, it's still, it was becoming sort of on people's radars back in 2020 when it was like another crypto bubble. But the, the fact that the the energy costs behind uh, mining crypto are so freaking massive, and for what? This is an example of something that impacts climate in a very direct way for literally zero purpose. It's pretty crazy. You're forgetting the also the the wear and tear of processors, which is why sure. one of the reasons we're having yeah. such bad supply chain issues. Sure, <laughs> all kinds of issues, but. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up in case anybody had forgotten that it actually does cost energy to uh, use this thing that nobody uses. To make it Sorry, up. to create yeah. this thing that nobody uses. Well, I mean, people use it uh, for I mean, kind buying of. NFTs, Sam. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I understand some people <laughs> have made enough on crypto that they can like force it as a thing in their life that they pay people through and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, and, so how and I would is, debate anybody on that point how in is the, great how depth is the, at any point if they would like to. Anyway, talk to continue. me. Talk to me about how, how's your how's your uh, phase one camera that you bought from selling Bitcoin? <laughs> well, that's when it wasn't stupid. <laughs> so. <laughs> It still costs the same amount of power, Sam. That's true. 
It did. Well, that was you, sunk cost. So it's you fine. Were you were you the point is know. we're continuing to mine this stuff. You, you it, knew it, now. You know. You In know. fact, anybody who actively owns and trades Bitcoin should be lobbying for the stopping of mining because it would constrain the supply even more. Thus, in theory, raising its value. I mean, you should be actively lobbying for people to just stop. Okay. Okay. Let's, uh, all right. Speaking this, of things that don't exist, twitter.com. Uh, no, yeah. I'm getting I, really sick of reading all the articles where they mention Twitter and always have to, or they mention X and always have to say formerly known as Twitter. It's like, yeah, we get it. Can you just stop saying that now? Yeah. Just call it Twitter. Yeah. I went to a, uh, a, a Nick Offerman show, um, last night and he spent like, that's five, fun. Yeah, it was, it was adorable. He's uh, the best. It was, it, was, it was a wonderful time. And he spent like five minutes talking about how he was going to call it Twitter forever. Uh, okay. And I was like, good for you, buddy. Like literally Twitter forever? Or yeah, just he Twitter? was like, no, it's 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 called Twitter because why would you name And then oh. he had like a nice little tangent about how, Damn. you know, it's called Twitter. I, I just don't. If you ever, the dream here, right? Like every dream of a brand forever is to create a new verb, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm going mm -hmm. to Uber to the airport or I'm totally. going to tweet Google that. a thought, right? Yeah, like this is one reason Yahoo failed. Nobody wanted to say, yeah, I Yahooed that. <laughs> like, no, it's not going to happen. Well, I mean, there was also the the like decade of mismanagement. Of course. And but at its core. But no one wanted Yahoo. I mean, Yahoo's I mean, still a I'm going to glass that right now. Thank you for glass reminding that, yeah. me. I need to do See, the right, ceremonial like posting a, of a photo as we podcast. I would love a glass that just doesn't, you know. Glass that has a ring to it. Yeah, sure, sure. Glass yeah. that. You know. Oh, like, I already did post one earlier today. So oh, my God. You can post more than one. It's not a... Oh, yeah. That's right. I can. And I won't be penalized. <laughs> this is wonderful. No penalty here. Um... I spent a long time yesterday uh, talking to Tom um, about the upcoming multiple photographs per post. carousel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're not going to call it carousel. Uh, That's a terrible. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Fair. I mean, like what we talked about was the name. If we're going to call it uh, sets, series, or collections. Collections is out. Collections? It's too long. Oh, that is a long word. It's it a long word. Sounds nice, but I guess reading it does it sound nice. Be, yeah, and yeah. you know, but like it's a. Oh, it's probably I, I, if I had to guess, it's going to end up being series. Uh, yeah. You heard it here first. The guy who names the things is saying it's probably this name. <laughs> uh, but set is Glass so nice because it's short. What is it? Set. That's just set. A little... Yeah, yeah. So that's but good. you know, I, I'm pretty sure it's series. I'm pretty sure that's where we're landing because it'll sound encompassing of the options available. <sighs> now we just need to build it. That'll so I, uh, I spent this morning obviously posting our previous podcast episode, but also trying to roll back Lightroom to version 12.5. Oh, did uh, it work? Version 13. Mm. Uh -oh. So I've, I've had a couple of weeks of busy, busy, busy work. Yeah. which I've already started to flag and call through and stuff. And you can easily enable write data to XMP files, which are the sidecar files that are alongside any raw file, which contain your edit data and stuff like that. But I rolled it, I, I wrote every, all, all the um, metadata essentially to the XMP files in the newest version, uh, rolled it back to the older version uh, tried to sync my master folder files and realized, oh yeah, flags, whatever denotation in metadata stores the flag indicator, th it's not in there. They don't support flagging in XMP data, which is mm. silly. So I would have had to upgrade again, go back to all the images that I've already called and flagged and like give them a color I haven't used, then downgrade again, then resync then flag everything that I colored like purple or something. And I just don't, I just don't want to. And I have to re-render all previews. So I'm just going to deal with the bugginess of 13 point whatever until they finally, I mean, they're going to have to fix it sometime. So I'm just going to have to I don't know if they are. <laughs> That's true. We did have that discussion <laughs> just yesterday. You're right. That might be on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it may, it may never happen. And right. you know, that's what you get for upgrading quick. Gotta upgrade. Well, you know, I figured they'd be have some self awareness of the fact that it's October and photographers are busy, and maybe they should only release things that are uh, a little bit more stable you, and. But that is tested. Naive. That's I know. A, 
It's okay. We'll get there one day. You know, one I, day I would like to know how the, the metrics break down for Adobe and their photographer. Obviously, they, they put more emphasis on uh, videographers, cinematographer type stuff in terms of their software prioritization. But it's not, uh, there's got to be, you know, a ton of photographers. And of that set of photographers, I am curious how many spend the most money with them uh, in terms of the genre that they shoot. I, it, it has to be mostly wedding photographers, but maybe I not. Mean, there maybe there's just so many. I know, I know. But like the ones that are actually spending the the higher, you know, triple cloud package with Photoshop, Lightroom, and whatever else comes in like the three I don't remember what I pay for. And then now the uh, they're going to be charging, I think, a certain number or that you have a limited number of generative fills that you can do. I know there's a ton of photographers, but, you know, as far as like one consolidated core genre, I feel like weddings must be really up there. I don't know. But maybe there's just enough hobbyists that also pay for the exact same features that only shoot, you know, a couple hundred photos a year. And that's that's also a big Bingo. part of their revenue. I don't know. Bingo. That's why, per, I mean, that's like why I'm asking per, the question. That's why I'm curious. Professionals, uh, you know, by definition, never make up the whole core True. of a consumer product. You know? True. True. Is what it is. True, true, true. Uh, I figured out how I can shoot a wedding with a GFX camera. I figured it out. I thought about it for half a second after you brought it up uh, on our last recording. I thought about it, and I was like, ha-ha, that's a good point. I should not shoot full, full size. You can just bin like half your half the half the information you can shoot in a smaller it'll give you oh, a smaller size. yes yeah. of course yeah yeah duh. yeah yeah i would yeah. highly recommend that <laughs> if so you actually a, wanted to uh the problem six thousand no there's yeah. no problem if, it, <laughs> there's gonna be no problem no here. Problem. i solved it i was gonna say <laughs> the problem is still autofocus but not if perhaps you were upgraded to the, uh, the version good two. now yeah, I haven't haven't tried it. I haven't either. I, I'm keeping read. my eye. In fact, I'm going to Google right now what the rumors are for the new 907X50C2 camera body. It's I'm, never coming. They released this the the same sensor on the CFV250C. So I think the 907X. I don't know how it did in sales, but ah, it's just such a pretty camera. Yeah, really I'm pretty sure that was just version. the fun. The fun, pretty, but they built such an ecosystem around it. It's got like the grip and all the modularity of it. They definitely should release a new back. Yeah, probably. But now that you see, CFV two fifty C features. It's wild that they only have the fifty C version and not a hundred C. That they don't have the hundred and two megapixel sensor yeah. for the digital back. I don't think Hasselblad is is getting quite the the revenue that Fuji is. I don't, right, but they're doing yeah. they're they're selling and just released the two XD or the XD X two D. Oh, really? The mm. the new version of their uh, medium format. There, it's a great time to be a medium format uh, camera photographer, except that it that it uh, still costs ten thousand dollars. That yeah. that part still sucks. It's, That's not great. It's expensive. When I sell every piece of gear I own, and I'm like, "Haha, I can afford one camera body and one lens." It's not great. Uh, no, it's not. You could rent something. I, I I don't know how you feel about renting. I've always felt like it's just ugh, it's so a, much money it's that a weird it disappears cost, into right? the world. It costs yeah. so much money to rent a good yeah. camera for like three days. Right, like five hundred bucks to rent a camera for three days. It's like, okay, well, maybe I should just buy the camera. You exactly. know, yeah, you're going to be making if you get momentum, you're going to be making some money that pays more than pays for it past a couple of shoots. That's accurate. If you're in a, in a tight pinch, you know, something got stolen or completely broken, or you really want to just test something before sinking a ton of money into it, that is where renting, I think, really hits its stride. But yeah, it's interesting. Okay, I have a. Uh, it was a. It's up to almost 150 comments now in the wedding photography subreddit. It's an interesting thread. I, th I figured we could bring up. Yeah, hit me. Ready for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does Nikon get so much hate? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> it so, is. So we have um, we we have a contractor we've been working with, um, and they shoot Nikon. And so calling Nikon a potato has re-entered my lexicon as a little joke. <laughs> like ribbon him okay. but like i don't actually agree with that i think nikon cameras are amazing and i think their colors are wonderful and i think the autofocus slaps so like i never understood i also don't understand here 
Haha. <laughs> this is how I view it. I think Nikon gets too much hate, and I think Canon gets too much love. Mm. Yeah, do uh, that. That I, think, I, I think they're identical. I think they're the same. I think that they are both really, really good at making cameras, and that there are different things about them that are great. You know, uh, shout out to the iPod click wheel that Canon stole for the back of their camera. Yes, excellent. Best thing that ever. That was cool. Yeah. yeah really was yeah i so this is something that took me a while to to realize uh just one component of all this first of all it's a it's a tricky question because it's almost like a relative thing based on where you're at in time with the camera that you own uh, meaning what camera body you're actually shooting with now and you're most familiar with and when did that come out versus what you're familiar with uh across the entire lineup so your opinion is going to be shaped pretty heavily by both of those factors. And most people are kind of a blend and a mix of time periods where they have maybe the newest camera that is amazing. And Nikon is caught up on autofocus, but uh, they're arguing with somebody whose last attempt to use it was 2020 when they hadn't re- really caught up yet on autofocus. And so they're arguing back and forth and it just creates this you know internet thread of stuff that happens all the time. So it's, it's really yeah. frustrating to have a discussion like this on the internet because you just have no sense of you know underlying assumptions where are you coming from what what have you tried what is your shooting style and and what really um uh, became apparent to me was when i would started teaching workshops 2013 14 i was i was all in on nikon i've been shooting it forever everything in my uh, arsenal was nikon or sigma with the f mount and uh, everything was optimized for nikon and it took me forever to realize why people would shoot the way that they shoot um, in terms of like focus modes or uh, where they have their starting autofocus point. And a lot, most wedding photographers, not all uh, the time, I was going to say, uh, most wedding photographers at any given workshop group would be shooting Canon. Not all the time, but usually it was Canon with the majority. Um, and I finally got a Canon. I think the Mark III was the first one I bought to try and maybe the Mark II even. Five and I realized like, oh, this thing is so bad at autofocus that, they have to shoot with the center starting point because that is the, it actually made a difference that the lens was sharpest in the center versus the edges in terms of it actually being able to acquire and and get the eye and focus or not. And other things like auto ISO, the implementation on Canon was awful, remains to be not ideal. Nikon's implementation of auto ISO was super intuitive and, and I would say perfect and that informs a lot though just those two things i can't even remember i'm sure there's a list of at least five or six others totally change your speed and uh, thought process and entire workflow in you know the physical world of what you're thinking about and so so these days there's at least four now major players sony fuji nikon canon there's probably another two in there i mean yeah let's not forget our good friends at lumex or uh oem yeah yeah, Hasselblad's still making cameras from sure. what I hear, what I understand. <laughs> Just talked about. And so you get this discussion where people think, uh, I don't know, everything's the same or that it all boils down to, hey, you know what? You give a professional any camera, they're going to do a better job than an amateur with a professional camera. And it's like, no, that's not an argument for this. this is, that's a different thing that you're talking about now. Uh, I've always been of the opinion that I want the camera to get out of the way of my process and my ideas. I want to be able to get to the end result of what I'm aiming for as quickly as physically humanly possible. And, uh, you know, not all cameras are going to enable that. And not all cameras should. Some photographers don't think and work in that way they want something that purposely slows them down which is well why. i think it's also a different type of work right because totally. like the work that you make with uh sorry i know you literally just said it but it's the dumbest name in the world the hasselblad 907 x50 c x50 c see that mm-hmm. One thing I will say that I love about the Nikon uh, Canon Wars, I briefly want to get this before we dive in back to the Hasselblad thing, is I am thrilled with mirrorless cameras that they stopped trying to use the same letters. Because for like the first like six years of digital cameras, it was uh, Nikon 80D or 90D or D5. And... (laughs) 
They are <laughs> five. Yeah. Yeah. D5. So if you switched from uh, Nikon's consumer to pro cameras, it switched to the side that the number was on. And then for Canon, it was always the 20D. No, I think Nikon always started with D. It was like the D90, D850, D5. D5. I don't know about their pro consumer or their consumer. D90. But it doesn't matter because it's still confusing. Because Nikon goes. No, it was 90D, D90. Wait, why is it showing me different? 90D is, I think, Canon. 90D is Canon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they like flip themselves. And then Canon goes lower number, better body. Nikon goes higher number, better body. So the D1 was the first, the D2, D3, D4, D5. God God bless Sony for just rolling in and being like, hi, we're A and the letter (laughs) 7 everywhere. Don't know why we have the, or letter, number. Numbers, all these numbers. (laughs) I mean, it's Uh, basically, it makes that much sense to be calling the numbers a letter. It is infuriating. I agree. Uh, yeah, they're all over. The, the place. I, I wish they could have reached a standardized, uh, like, letter combo of some kind, and then just the year, just twenty twenty three, just like car models. You know, this or is the phones, Sony twenty twenty three, Sony R twenty twenty three. I mean, it took Apple like until the iPhone what X to really Seven. get. I mean, X itself was kind of silly, but the iPhone eleven, I think, and then well, X the, was the also Pro and non Pro was. That's, I know, I know, but it was still weird. But uh, it was cool. I mean, it was a Mac OS X kind of throw, whatever. Uh, I still remember, by the way, slight side story, walking around before my workshop at night in Germany the night before, listening to a Daring Fireball podcast with John Gruber. It had and, been a uh, while since you had mentioned John Gruber. That's nice. <laughs> and, and I remember the rumors are coming out that like, ooh, the next, the next iPhone is going to be a radical redesign with no home button. And they're going to have the starting price be like $1,200. And it was so controversial. Because at that point, I think that one of the more expensive iPhones, or maybe the starting price was like $500, something like that. It was, it was and I remember lower. thinking, yeah. I remember thinking, wow, yeah, Apple is full of geniuses. Like that is the, they know <laughs> what they have. Uh, no, I'm serious. I was like, that is the move. Yeah. Uh, and they, they pulled it off. Anyway, the uh, it took them a while even to, to figure out the, the pro versus non-pro and you know it's annoying that they keep kind of getting these weird like here's the mini and but we're still going to kill it type of they bring back a normal sized phone once every five years is a little treat here's the thing at the end of the day it the, it's a confusing and and people get into these cycles of arguing based on their own personal perspective and their own personal uh perspective meaning their like preference of how they shoot and their own kind of where they're at in terms of the, the knowledge set of what they've tried and what they haven't tried. It's, uh, in my opinion, unfortunate also that people forget like relative options on the market from other things. Like when the Canon EOS R came out, they launched that thing with the 51.2 L lens, the pro lens and the 28 to 70. And I think they had another one like pre-announced in the pipeline. Nikon. So that was to me a clear signal as somebody who's looking to buy this thing that they're going to at least at some point really commit and have a pro body to go along with those lenses. Nikon released with a bunch of 1.8 lenses that were not great on that original <laughs> mount. And the, the, the camera bodies themselves were, sorry, are you laughing because no, 1.8 is not good you enough? Just, ah. <laughs> I, I got that. I need that point. I mean, I agree. I also need that yeah. point six. But it's a, if nothing else, Stop. it's a signal of. Like, but, but here's the thing: in the mirrorless world, acquiring autofocus was way, way, way. It was way more important to have as much light coming into the lens as possible. So, not even if you don't shoot at one point two, when you're acquiring autofocus, it opens the lens up to let in as much light as possible, get focus, and then it'll stop back down. So, having a one point two, even if you wow. shoot at f two the entire time, is like worth it in a, in the mirrorless world. T I L. That's yeah. uh, today I learned. 100%. So for me, it, like Nikon really missed the mark for years and years and years. And yes, they have caught up now. But that deserves a, a certain period of time where they should get some, quote, hate. And it's just the way that it is. I, I'm sorry. Like, I, and, and people get so, I don't want to say possessive, uh, self-conscious. We've talked about this before, actually. Now that it's coming back to me when we were talking about the Z9 when I had it in May. People get so self-conscious about having spent thousands of dollars on something and then to hear somebody say, oh, you made a bad choice feels icky. I get it. Yeah. But you shouldn't let that affect you. You should 
do what you can with what you have until you can afford the next thing. <laughs> well, I, I, sure. I mean, but there's that's easier said gonna, than done. Even if you made the right choice at the time about the absolute best camera for you that was on the market at that time, in six months, it's not going to matter anyway because they are. it's a constantly moving target. So you just kind of yeah. have to settle and not to worry too much. But I agree, Nikon gets way too much hate because they made vastly superior cameras in terms of autofocus capability uh, compared to pretty much anything else on the market for most of the, of the uh, 2010s. And, you know, it was just their lenses that kind of didn't... Uh, Canon had m more, uh, I would say more resonant style with the way that their lenses rendered things with beautiful flare and beautiful bokeh and they had the 1.2 which you know once you get to those uh differences 1.2 versus 1.4 or like a 0.95 it doesn't sound like much but so it much. is it's a lot more light and it's a lot more uh child of the field so anyway it's uh Canon, I think, really won out consistently and made up for the fact that they had lacking bodies by having such beautiful lenses. And Nikon was on the other side of that. They had the beautiful bodies, but it's like, which do you prioritize for? That's a hard thing, the chicken or the egg kind of thing. Do you need the better body with the worse lens or the worse lens with the better body? It, it's a tough call to make. We also tie yeah. a lot of a lot of our own like self-worth and, and professional career to milestones. Right. And like upgrading to your first huge camera system is part of that milestone. Right. You know, it, it's going from a crop sensor to a full frame or a full frame to a medium format or from, a you know, shooting Fuji to Leica or Leica to medium format Fuji or, you know, like, these like bounces are like also personal milestones that we ascribe a lot of value to. And yeah. then it's really hard not to personalize the statement of Nikon is a potato, right? If <laughs> you, you know, like I, what is that trying to say? I don't quite understand that phrase. Well, it's a, it's a, it's just never hitting. It's a, focus, no, it's so an it internet. Um, it's a, it's a long internet joke i want to say it was a tweet it might have been a tumblr post but it was like a really grainy scratchy photo of something like just a really pixelated bad photo and the joke was what was this taken with a potato and then someone was like hey a nikon hey bah, 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 uh, or a canon or whatever but it's just the this was taken with a potato is like the idea that's just really low quality um and you know no potatoes here. You know, I, I switched to Nikon from Canon because uh, I used the Nikon D810. Uh, for the, mm. I rented it for a trip to Guatemala, but I got it for free. I know I just oh. like 20 nice. minutes ago was doing a little bit of shit talking about how expensive renting is and then am now telling a story about the only time I've actually ever rented a camera. I got it for free because it was for a medical nonprofit and we were doing good. Cool. Nice. Uh, and so they sent me, you know, the 24 to 70 and, and the D810. And I was like, this is amazing. I asked for the mock, uh, you know, the 5D Mach 2 and the 24 to 70 Canon because I was a Canon shooter. I knew Canon. And I, you know, Nikon's a potato. And they're like, we don't have that for the days you're available and you're leaving in four days. We can send you the Nikon one though. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. Cause I would rather have this nicer full frame camera than my cropped sensor that I was shooting with at the time. And then I like fell madly in love because those colors are bonkers, right? Mm -hmm. And those colors in rural Guatemala, you know, in the jungle, amazing. And so then I came home and then I figured out how to buy one and bought one. You, you know what I've always been kind of surprised about? I guess maybe this would give too much uh, away in terms of behind the scenes. But it, when people get really excited about certain brands, they do tend to mention the colors. And with even within a singular brand itself, from one sensor to the next, and sometimes even the same sensor from one body to the next, they, they tend to shift and tinker with the colors from one to this the next. This is about and, how you hate the z8 colors <laughs> well this what i was gonna say is i don't know why they don't include like a really cool standardized for that brand like booklet of what changes they've made in colors like where it's the same paper with the same picture but you can see like this is a photo from the d4 and this is a photo from the d5 and and make it like very not not to show off the 
uh, you know, dynamic range or the, the noise stuff, that stuff is way easier to see and judge uh, kind of clinically by side-by-side comparisons. Colors are, are a lot trickier, yeah. especially if you don't have two cameras sitting in front of you at the exact same time. Uh, it's just tough because with two cameras in front of you, you could take the exact same photo and then compare colors. Uh, but with noise and dynamic range, you can have older files and kind of eyeball a clear difference or not. Way, way easier than uh, color unless you've, again, got the exact same scenario in front of you at the exact same moment in time. And, and it would just be really cool to see like an evolution or maybe a justification about their discussion in the color science of what they're, what they're doing. Because right now it is sort of this, I think a lot of people assume Nikon color is the way that it is. And it always is something they aim for from one body to the next. And Canon is Canon color and they always aim for that. No. Okay. No, no, but no. Sony color is always Sony color. Okay. Maybe. That's my, uh, I'm not sure that's know, accurate. It's always like steely, right? It's always like a little, a little chilly. Early Sony days were very, very green tinted. It was like a weird green. Oh, that, that's still there. That's still a, yellow. Yeah. That's still an issue okay. with uh, like their uh, included LUTs for their S log stuff. Um, yeah. That's still very much a problem. There you go. So anyway, it, it, as just a matter of marketing, I think it would be cool if they were a little more transparent in that. But I wonder if if it's if camera manufacturers do have this unspoken, like, yeah, we're not going to talk about it so that everybody just assumes when they buy Nikon, they're going to get those Nikon colors. The placebo effect really, really works. And even with something you're seeing right in front of you, I mean, it happens all the time in the music world where you're hearing something and you would think you could hear the difference between one plugin and the next, but people will literally change their sense of something sounding like warm and vintage based on the uh, graphic interface of the plugin. Uh, versus like a very bare bones, maybe mostly text interface and then something beautifully designed with like vintage tubes and everything. They'll, they'll trick themselves into thinking, yeah, this sounds really warm. Or and, it's a multi-sensory experience and how something looks matters, you know? You gotta be with your eyes first, Sam. Well, that's true because some people prefer and can achieve a sound that they like based on the the plug-in interface, and they because it just makes more sense to their brain. But the, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, you would really want to be able to have just like a I don't know some kind of double blind comparison that you don't actually see the the interface or, or hear or, or or know the brand ahead of time of uh, what you're editing in terms of files because I bet your decisions are going to be totally different. Um, anyway. Having taken many, many images in from patrons to when I was like developing and testing a lot of my presets over the years and having shot, of course, myself first party, my own stuff, I can, I can honestly say it, it's a, it's a wild variety between, of course, camera manufacturers and then within the same camera brand umbrella. It's not always where it's at. I can honestly say it took me a little bit, maybe three or four months when the R3 came out to get the files looking as, as happy as I was with the R6 and the exact same thing with the R. Like, I kind of still miss the R6 and the R colors. I'm not going to lie. But the R3 is good enough. Why don't you uh, then just use the R6? Uh, there's a lot of reasons. Yeah. Okay. Not gonna just making sure. But the R3 has more customizable buttons. I like the built-in grip all the time. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. Man, I do not love a battery grip. Not for me. I don't want more. That's there's too much. I do. At, at a bare minimum, it makes me look like I have more authority. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, that's like, look at that big professional camera. Yeah, very, very powerful. Like, yeah, I don't need this, but you know what? Now you think it's I there. know what I'm doing. <laughs> the one of the one of the most depressing parts to me for, and I understand why it exists, and it should, and I'm glad for the people that are going to use it. But when Sony released the A7C2 and the A7CR. Uh, their latest compact cameras, they included a little battery grip that you can then screw on to make it a regular size camera so it fits your hand normally so you're not dropping oh, your fingers. Yes. And like, yep. I understand why you do that. Uh, people have hands and they need to be able to hold the camera. But the point of the camera is that it's tiny. If you need a yeah. full-size thing, just go buy the sure. a 7 and the a 7 r because that's what uh, that's what they yeah. are. They're just crunched out. Anyway, but I will say the Nikon ZF needs and has a small grip 
plate that I ordered with mine because it's the body format is too small. My pinky is awkwardly off the, the edge constantly. So I bought a little metal plate. It's kind of annoying, but it's the it's it's a superior camera to the Z8 in my opinion. So if nothing else, just because of the way the screen flips out, it's back. It's or it's not back. It's a first, I think, for Nikon to to have it flip out Sony style. Oh, wow! It's a shame, and I'm you know I don't know who of any authority listens to this podcast, but me. make even if it's a much lower resolution or smaller or maybe black and white only, that would be fine too. Make a dual flip out screen so that I can flip out the nicer side, show somebody what they look like almost like a little mirror a little selfie just like you're holding up your iphone to them and i can actively compose and shoot pictures of them looking at themselves because it's uh just way less uh, stop trying to cannibalize our mirror filter business <laughs> that's true yeah our booming shout out to episode we, 18 what, or whatever what that was. was the name you came up with a wonderful name for it oh i don't remember we bought it didn't we? Didn't one of us we buy the bought domain? the domain? <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, uh, I actually used it um, at another series of headshots a couple weeks ago. I think I mentioned that to you. And uh, yeah, it does work pretty see? well. I'm not going to lie. Mirror, face mirror or whatever. Camera face. Whatever. You know, I don't no, like the full, the full flip it. out is a, little, is a little much for me. Yeah, but in a pinch. Like, it's not something you're going to use all the time. That's why I'm like, you know what? If, if you can't fit it physically there or it's too expensive and it's just you don't think nobody's going to use it, make it just a, a really small kind of thumbnail size monochrome only screen, like the bare minimum. Or what you could also do, even better, allow dual screen and EVF at the same time so I can look through the EVF while people are looking at themselves. That would also be fine. Why they don't do that already? Who knows? Probably a processing limitation or they just never thought to. I'm like, why would you ever do that? Like, There's many reasons. So, well, just the one, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be right. There's <laughs> just just this one that you have manufactured. Yeah. Uh, well, now we'll send it. We'll send this to the head of uh, Nikon for you. Okay, cool. Because um, I have his number clearly. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just be like, hey, it could be a woman. We let's see, head of Nikon. Sam, I'm, you're about to get introduced to the patriarchy. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> there. There's a edit for you. Why? That's funny. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So um, now that you are fully joining the Nikon Forever team, is this why you brought it up? Because you're ditching No, I'm not joining the team. I'm just buying the ZF to have as a, a wonderful fun travel camera it's it's going to fill the itch that leica used to fill for me i think uh quite well in fact and i'm i'll probably it's so cool because it is so good that not only is it this nice retro nostalgic vibe that i can mount a bunch of leica lenses to or nikon lenses but i can also just throw it in my bag and actually use it to shoot professionally as much as i want on the wedding day Uh, you know i'm not going to buy a whole arsenal of nikon lenses again at least not quickly uh it's just you know i'll probably sell it if canon does the same thing i I would be shocked if this doesn't spark an entire wave of of like a canon ae1 style god i would i would oh man a canon i can't i don't know what manufacturers are thinking like do they really not realize there's a market for this like you could take the exact same innards and put it in that styling and and it would fly off the shelves yeah i'm sure it's harder to make I would buy Maybe. that for my father immediately because he <laughs> shot with a AE1 forever as a photojournalist, and that's the first camera I used. Nice. Why I was in love with, you know, Canon for so long? It's because it started with. One of AE. the things I've thought about though more recently, I don't know if you remembered this, but there was a. Uh, oh yeah, of course you remember it. It was I'm pretty sure Fukushima, or if it wasn't the the tsunami from that, it was a tsunami that like wiped out a bunch of or flooded at least. I don't know if it totally wiped them out but flooded a bunch of cannons manufacturing plants and it like caused a lot of delays yeah that would have, to, been, have to have been fukushima there are there have not yeah. been many tsunamis okay as of late and i and i wonder what the the decade later uh effects of that maybe still are in terms of timelines of when they've wanted to do things or, or in terms of building out flexibility to to uh 
experiment and, and make random models of cameras that they just want to put into the market the way Nikon is doing with the ZF or the back then DF. I, I do wonder. I, I I only recall Canon being the one uh, kind of in the articles as having been affected, but uh, maybe all of them were and Canon just doesn't care. Or it, it, maybe it has nothing to do with it and they don't care at all about it. Maybe Canon just doesn't want nostalgia. Yeah, which is fine, but... There's clearly they would make a ton of money from it, so I don't know why I they wouldn't nostalgia. just at least cap it. I mean, they need to be making Leica every. Just did the M6 again? Hello, yeah. we're making the M6 is new. That's you know we're all. I, that's literally just the same camera though, but you know yeah. nostalgia. It's great. Still, and these all of these manufacturers need to be doing whatever they can to stay relevant and alive. As did you Apple see um, the M11P came out? yesterday two days ago Mm-mm. oh so uh hello breaking news for sam uh here it comes uh, the m11p oh, cool. came out uh but they have nine thousand one hundred dollars well, like, that's okay, not the important cool, cool, well cool. i mean that is an important part of that is too much money for me i know that statement right there is going to get me an email from someone being like you've spent three weeks talking about how you're going to buy a $7,500 camera. Shut up, Daniel. I'll be like, oh, that's a fair point. <laughs> but they have a, um, a authentic or, or like this was created by a human, uh, like a, a anti AI thing confirmed a certified, like a technology type thing built into it. What? Uh, yeah. Like it flags metadata with a photo. Yeah. It's, it's like, like a- or the flags the photo with oh content credentials. But that's the interesting. Phrase. Yeah. So issued by Adobe Inc. This combines multiple content. At least one was generated with an AI tool. Wow. Cool. Well, you should probably uh, instead of mumbling that, just read it because <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to read. Okay, it says <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, it's like grainy and small. This is like a low res thumbnail on their marketing stuff. So uh, okay, I'm just looking at. I don't know what app this is even in, but it's just a thumbnail. I'm sure there's a paragraph I could read. It's it's just like this little over floating over the image. You can tap it. It has a CR icon. You click into it. Content credentials issued by Adobe Inc. October 23rd, 2023. This image combines multiple pieces of content. At least one was generated with an AI tool produced by Colleen Jose or Josie. I don't know. Caption New York Skyline. Photoshop, blah, blah, blah. Device used Leica M11-2. Um, okay, so that's interesting. Let's see what they say about it. The M11 is the world's first camera to feature content authenticity initiative, CAI technology. The content authenticity is a collaborative effort initiated by Adobe in partnership with various other organizations, including the New York Times and Leica. Its primary goal is to develop a standard for digital content attribution. Wow, that's great. Yep. In the M11P, this technology shows up as a Leica con. Credentials, uh, by using a secure processing chip, this will encrypt image metadata to the point of at the point of capture. This information can then be independently verified and even appended to when using compatible applications such as Photoshop. Viewers can then verify and aim. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's cool. Now I'm curious. I'm confused. How does that work? How is it saying in content credentials that at least w- uh, this image can uh, combines multiple pieces of content, at least one was generated with an AI tool? How does it know that part? of the workflow. It, I could understand it saying it's been modified from its original capture, but how does it know that an image? Well, if it was, if it was edited with Adobe's tools, then Adobe would embed that as it makes was sense. being done. Makes created. sense. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, you can strip that away. I'm sure. But I guess if you were trying to, yeah, um, submit an image to the New York times, they could have a standard that demanded to see the, the authenticity. Yeah, you could, That's I cool. mean, like when you're submitting to the New York times, you're, you're editing nothing. You're, you're given sure. the director sure. raw files and they're just, just well, you know, maybe. Yeah. Oh no. They like photojournalists can only submit like raw files and adjust like exposure. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. It, you would be adjusting exposure. So that's where my next question was going to be is the toning and white balance and gradients and, and editing up until now, which is not fundamentally changing and moving pixels around. It's, but it is changing the look of something. And, and if it's going to detect for that and explicitly say that instead of at least one was 
something could have been AI generated here. It's like, okay. And then if, if I used Imagine AI to edit it, is it going to say, this could have been edited with AI? And it's like, well, that's not the same thing. <laughs> well, I think that the intended use case of authenticating newsworthy images Agreed. versus yeah, right. yeah. wedding photos are different. The, the problem with that is that there's literally no news person using a Leica M11P well, rangefinder camera is, for their that is, stories. That is right now, but in yeah. the future, it's cool when it's I'm, built I'm into more really, cameras. Really impressed with that. That's so cool, and it's nice that Adobe is, yeah, uh, aware. Yeah, Adobe, Adobe I, I also, being a big part of it is uh, a thing that gives me hope that it's going to have legs. I also liked their approach. I mean, as much as you might hate the generative stuff, it's <laughs> nice that they're using their stock license. Yeah, the, the they're not scraping the entire internet of images the way something like some some other ones have. Mid Journey so, yeah. did, yeah, or yeah. or Dolly yeah. did, or they all did. Uh, yeah, don't love that. One of my one of my <laughs> friends who's an author uh, recently found that their two of their books were in the. Uh, illegally scraped data so now they're like oh cool do i get to join a class action lawsuit hooray and get half a penny after the lawyers that bring well, the suit to... yeah yeah great 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 and, you know once well you know i did hear uh, an interview with a ai expert of some kind i can't remember who did say like uh, maybe it was even sam altman i think it was from open ai and he did mention the possible future of you know, universal basic income type of formula where if your content w- was included in something you did get a, a meaningful gonna, slice of the revenue. I'm going to go, I'm going to go rogue here and share a very strong opinion. Sam Altman's full of shit. He is oh, okay. a known lying piece of trash. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's he's, too bad. he's, he's not great. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna uh, lie and steal as much as he can to continue to make him and his friends billionaires because that's his job. Uh, oh, okay. Sounds like a CEO then. Yeah. 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 Well, nice knowing you. Yeah, and with that positive <laughs> ending, <laughs> for the person who remembered that I was about to say something about Sam's Hasselblad 907CXD74Q 907X50C. At the 15-minute mark, and then I never did. It was because I didn't forget about it. I just didn't say it because it didn't come back up. But here we go. We're finishing it. We're wrapping it up. It's a better. That's a better ending than. You know, it's actually a wonderful ending. I have. I have one up on you. It's gonna be 85 degrees tomorrow. That's a terrible. <laughs> it is a terrible ending. Hey, we cooked the yeah. planet. We're all gonna die from no, climate disaster. I know. Well, you know, extremes do happen, and they're going to happen more frequently. And we don't need to get into it. But Same. I will. Uh, what I was going to say is, one of the amazing superpowers of being a wedding photographer for a long period of time is you tend to have better recall of seasonal uh, situations because your ability to do something in terms of photographing a wedding is highly dependent on what the weather is doing. And I remember. This is also an outlier, kind of scary, freaky thing. But way back in 2012, yeah or maybe late 2011, I think it was 2012, Halloween day, Leesburg, Virginia, which is only like an hour and a half drive from here, snowed two inches uh, on this random wedding day. It was wild. And it was so fun to photograph because it was fall leaves, orange leaves, with a blanket of white fluffy snow. That, actually does, that like, part sounds great. But there yeah, being a random cool. snow at the end of October is normal. Is it? Yeah. That freaked me out. I was like, because. Yeah, mm winter happens now i mean like they're already it's not winter yet we had it's literally it? yeah but i mean like <laughs> hemispheres no that freaks exist. me that freaks me out more than it being 85 tomorrow well, but that's because i'm gonna be enjoying it oh god are you what do you go doing? for a swim no i'm just gonna I have a wedding to shoot so oh. be, i, I like, will be enjoying it because it's the pleasant way to shoot a wedding not gonna yeah. lie it's just too hot man that's too hot that's not a good that's that that's Oh, I'm glad I found a way to be you being our next episode. Time. Let's debate what weather is ideal to shoot a wedding in. That's going to go smoothly. Yeah. Um, I would say, no, I can't. That's next week's episode. Uh, <laughs> no, I was going to say so the reason remember. the Hasselblad thing I was going to say is sometimes you want a camera that makes you shoot different depending on the work that you make. Cause the stuff you make with sure. your Hasselblad is very different than the wedding 
photos that you sure. make. I'm very excited for you to see Tools. the Nikon ZF. I still don't have it yet. I'm not sure when it's shipping, but as soon as it arrives, I will yeah, hop, ferry it over and you can over. Take, a, take a stroll with it. That's exciting. Can't wait. All right. Well, okay. Sam, I appreciate, appreciate you. One, two, three.